We're going to be going through the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. Um, I'm not sure how long this uh, series will go. Uh, several weeks, I'm, I'm hoping. But you know me. I tend to veer off sometimes. But uh, I'm going to try to stay on focus uh, on this course of going through the book of Galatians with us. And really, this is a perfect transition from last Sunday. Last weekend, we celebrated the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We talked about the gospel, and we were talking about the song, one of the songs that we love to sing and has been sung in churches for generations, the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We talked about that. We looked at uh, the one passage or the one stanza, I think it was the second stanza, where it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. We talked about what in the world is an Ebenezer, right? It's not Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that means stone of help. And Samuel raised this stone to remind the Israelites that God was with them, that God delivered them from the Philistines, and it was to cause them to remember. And we talked about how Jesus... Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his victory over sin and death is our Ebenezer, that we can proclaim that Christ is risen over our circumstances, our struggles, our trials with the hope, the blessed hope of eternal life in Christ. And so we talked about that uh, last, last week. And so from that message, from that message of the gospel We come to the book of Galatians, and this is a letter that Paul wrote uh, to a group of churches, actually. Galatia was a region. It wasn't one town. It was a region, and uh, you can read about it when, uh, actually, scholars tend to agree that this was likely Paul's first letter that he ever wrote to a church, that this was likely uh, that because it comes out of his first missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 13 and 14. It'll talk about how Barnabas and, and Saul, Paul, was sent on a missionary journey to all these places. And you'll read about Antioch and Iconium and all these places. Well, those were towns in Galatia. And so Paul was writing, after he established churches in that region, he was writing to them. And uh, he was talking about the gospel. It's interesting because in Acts chapter 9, just a few chapters before Acts 13, just before Paul went on his first missionary journey, it talks about how he came to faith in Christ, that, Je- that Jesus came alive to him. He, he encountered, he met the risen Jesus And that changed his life profoundly. He was trying to stop the message. He was not for the gospel at all. He was trying to dismantle it. But one encounter with Jesus changed everything. And now he's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And he was now dedicated to preaching that message. And Galatians, when you read Galatians, the gospel message is embedded throughout the letter. It's a powerful letter, and I'm excited to dive into this series with us for the next several weeks. So we're going to start by looking at the first 10 verses of the letter, Galatians chapter 1, 
verse 1 to 10, this is what it says. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The title for my message this morning is, There Are Ditches. Let's pray. God, we just want to come before you this morning. (sighs) We want to hear from you, Lord. I just, you know, let's just take a moment here. I want to invite you to pray. Would you ask the Lord, just in your heart you can pray, ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. And would you pray for me? Please pray for me. I want to be used by God to be his mouthpiece. Would you pray for me that God would use me to speak the words that he has for you this morning? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you remember what it was like to first get your driver's license? Oh, man. Some of you here, you're like, you can't wait for that day, right? It's a rite of passage. Oh, man, it's like you join an elite club of car drivers. It's awesome when you first get your driver's license. I remember when I first got my license. Oh, man, it was a glorious day. It's like I had this sense of achievement, sense of independence, and just, I was proud to be able to finally drive my dad's car. Well, one day I was driving, new driver, not long after I got my license, I was driving on the 410. How many of you know where the 410 is, right? It's the highway that connects Mississauga to Brampton. I was on the 410. The weather suddenly got cold. It was raining just before, and then suddenly it just got really cold. And so, but I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about black ice. No idea. Okay, so I'm driving on the 410, 40. <laughs> I don't know how fast I was going. Okay, but I was going fast. 
and uh, oblivious to the fact that there could be black ice. And uh, I mean, that's the thing about black ice. You don't know. You're on ice. It, it, it tricks you. Well, I didn't even know. So I'm driving, 410, again, pretty fast. And all of a sudden, I start fishtailing, and my car starts sliding. And I started panicking because I've never experienced this kind of thing. What? All of a sudden, I'm doing this. So I slam the brakes. Ooh, exactly, right? Man, I wish I could have said that then. I, wrong thing to do, but I slammed the brakes and I started spinning on the 410 on the highway. Started spinning. And I remember I couldn't see anything. I just was so disoriented. And, and eventually the car just went into the ditch, right, in the median that divides the, the two directions on the 410. And I was facing the opposite direction. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? I had no idea. I had no idea I was driving on black ice. It was the first time I've ever experienced something like that. Thank the Lord there weren't cars around. I mean, wow. But that was a crazy experience. I had no idea. So why am I telling you this story? Paul wrote this letter, the letter to the Galatians, to a group of newly converted Christians. They were new to the faith. And he was writing this letter because these Christians, they experienced the power of the gospel in their lives. They heard the gospel. They encountered Jesus. They were transformed by the gospel message. Yet not long after being on the path of a gospel-centered life, these new believers started going into a ditch. And they didn't even know about it. They were totally blindsided. They didn't know. And so Paul, in this letter, addresses that immediately. You see, it's uncharacteristic of most of Paul's letters because usually he says, hey, I'm Paul, and I'm, a, I'm an apostle. I give thanks to God for these things. I pray. And then he addresses the church. Well, here he's saying, he starts off by saying, I am an apostle, not by, sent by man or through man. The word apostle means sent one. Okay? He's saying, listen, I'm sent not by people, but by God. God sent me to you. You need to hear what I have to say. And then he goes on in verse 6 and 7, and this is what he says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ at its core, is powerful. It's absolutely powerful. It has the power to completely transform someone's life. People who some may look at and say, there's no way that person can change. No way. They've done way too much damage. Listen, when they hear the gospel, they can change. Why? Because the gospel has power to do that. The gospel at its purest is powerful. When someone truly hears it, has the ears to hear it, it transforms their lives. How many of you remember first hearing the gospel, actually hearing 
the gospel in your life? Or what was it like to hear it afresh in your life? Maybe it was last Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, during that message where the gospel was refreshed in your life. Last week it was pure gospel, straight gospel. I remember when I first actually heard the gospel. Actually heard it. You see, I grew up going to a church. I listened to the stories. I listened about Jesus and the things that he did, that he died on the cross for our sins. But you know what? They were just stories. Like where the wild things are. Or Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. No different. Same. That, that's what they were. Stories. But one day, when I was at Williams Coffee Pub, second year university, homeless man opens the Bible to the Gospel of John and shares the good news of Jesus Christ with me, and it became real. It became real. That Jesus died on the cross. When he did, he thought of me. It became personal. Changed my life. I gave my life to, Lord, to, to the Lord. And now I'm in a relationship with Jesus. He now walks with me, talks with me, tells me that I am his own. Does anyone know what song that is? Okay. Oh, a lot of you know that song. It's a great song. That's what they're writing about. This thing that happens when you hear the gospel, it transforms your life. It has the power to transform. Paul says this in Romans 1:16, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. But listen, as humans, we have a tendency to drift. We have a tendency to wander, which that song we sang last week, "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing." Robert Robinson, he wrote about that. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Right? We as humans have a tendency to drift. And when it comes to the gospel, we can drift from it. And that's what Paul is precisely, he's hammering at that. Right from the start of his letter. Because let me tell you something. As Christians, when we, when we start to walk with Jesus, how many of you know it's a battle? We were singing about it this morning. Absolutely, it's a battle. And let me tell you, the first, one of the first attacks that the early church had in Galatia came from within the church. Not outside, from the inside. And Paul talks about our spiritual battles in Ephesians 6, right? That our battle is not against flesh and blood. But here's the thing. Sometimes that battle takes place within the church. Inside the church, Christians who may mean well, but out of their distorted understanding of something can devastate another brother or a sister with their words. It's so, we need to be careful with our words. James 1.19, that's why he says this in James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. We need to be careful especially since there's a tendency for us to drift and cause others to drift 
We need to be careful. And so Paul was saying to the Galatians, the gospel message that saved you, that set you free, is being distorted. It's drifted from the place that it's supposed to be in. It never should have drifted that way. The essence of the gospel has changed by those who are preaching a different gospel. And I actually love how Paul puts it. He says, not that there is another gospel. There is no other gospel. Right? Paul goes on to say the danger of doing such a thing is this. The danger of distorting the gospel, verse 8. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. In Greek, that means excommunicated. Okay? Paul is saying, listen, if somebody distorts the gospel, causing another to fall into a ditch, to fall away from the gospel of Christ... They run the danger of no longer being in the fold of God. That is such a harsh warning, church. It's one of the warnings that we receive in the, in, in the scriptures. We need to talk about it. We need to be aware of it. To be aware of the dangers that we can unknowingly find ourselves in. And so this morning, I want to talk about the two ditches on either side of the gospel And you know, they're going to be extremes. You might hear me and say, well, I'm not in either extreme. But there might be a tendency to drift in one way or the other. The first ditch starts like this, okay? Some people can get to a place where the gospel message seems too simple. That's too easy. Could God really save me simply based on faith in Christ alone? That's too simple. Could he really save me based on nothing that I could ever do, but purely based on the work of the cross? It's too good to be true. And so they add to the message. They add things, systems to do in order to be considered saved. I need to read the scriptures in order to be considered saved. I need to pray, evangelize. i got to do these things, serve in the church to be saved, to be saved, to be considered saved. Now, I have to make this very clear. Having daily devotions, reading the Scriptures, memorizing the Scriptures, spending time in prayer, hearing from the Lord, serving in the church are good things. They are absolutely good things. But I do those things not to get saved or to chase this idea that I must do those things to be saved, but because having daily devotions, praying, serving in ministry increases my intimacy with Jesus. I come closer to Jesus when I dive into the text. I love one of my uh, seminary professors. He said, when you open the scriptures, you come face to face with God. That's why I do it. Not to puff up my knowledge so that I can be considered righteous or considered to be saved. That's not it, right? Because it draws me closer to Jesus. I do things because I am a child of God, not so that I can become a child of God. Okay? It's simply out of a love for God that we do anything 
the ditch of adding works to the gospel is dangerous. And Paul is warning us about that. Actually, I'm going to speak more on that next week when we go into Galatians 1, chapter, uh, verse 11 and on. We're going to talk more about this. Right? Jesus plus something equals salvation is not the gospel. It's not. Jesus plus nothing. His work was everything we need. The other side of the ditch is equally destructive. Some have come to this understanding that Jesus is like an insurance policy. I just take out this insurance policy, and you know what? Because I have this insurance policy or this idea of an an insurance policy, I could just live however I want. I don't have to fear going into a ditch or anything, right? Just whatever. He's not the Lord of my life. And so he's compartmentalized. Jesus is compartmentalized in, in their lives. Oh, oh, Jesus, yeah, I hear about him once in a while when I attend a, a church on a Sunday. But that's it. I, that, that, that's it. You know, I've got so much else on the go. I don't have, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay. I remember when I was working in manufacturing a few years ago, uh, you know, when you're working in, in manufacturing, it can be a, a, a tough environment to work in. Uh, one of the saving graces of that was having other Christians in the workplace um, where we could just encourage each other. And um, I loved that, that aspect of working in, in manufacturing. Well, one day, we, this new guy was hired, and um, he told me he was a Christian. I was like, oh, that's, that's great. Cool. And so I got to know him, and the more I got to know this guy, I was like, dude, no way you're a Christian. Like, no way. And I'm not going to go into details of what he did and the things that he would say, but it was so wrong. And I thought, there's just no fruit. Not, not just that, but it, it's so contrary to a person who has Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Could it be? Like, wow. And so I just, one day, we, were, we had a job to do outside of the, the shop, and I, I took him with me. We were in the truck driving to our job site. And um, he, yeah, I was kind of talking to him and just wanted to know, like, what, what's the deal with your Facebook posts and all these things and just the things you're into? What, what's the deal there? And you know what he said to me? He said, you know, I could do whatever. I just need to pray a prayer and Jesus will forgive me. And I remember just shock. I didn't know how to answer that. I've never heard anything like that. I, I was like, this guy's so deluded. Wow, he was in a massive ditch. I mean, that's no gospel at all. Whatever he heard was not the gospel. It couldn't be because there's no power to transform his life. And and it's interesting because I see that it's actually common in our culture, in our society today. Many people would consider themselves Christian because they're North American. I'm Christian because I'm North American, you know what I'm saying? But I believe all these other things in it, whatever. It's just, but it's like, well, how? Right? It's a cultural thing. There's no fruit that they've experienced, the life-transforming power of the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about struggling with sin. Christians who struggle with sin. Listen, we struggle. We talk, we're singing about it this morning. It's a battle. If you're not in a battle, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're in a ditch. Because listen, it is a battle. 
Paul talks about it in verse 4, that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. Though our sins are forgiven, we live in this present evil age. Don't we, church? We're going to struggle. We're going we're to battle. Until that day Christ returns and we are completely delivered, it's going to be a battle. Okay? But I'm not talking about battling sin. That's another sermon. I'm talking about those who indulge in sin, thinking it's all good just because they could spout off a mantra and think it'll erase everything. That's not the gospel. It's another ditch. But there is beauty in the gospel. The gospel, word gospel means good news. And there is good news. There's good news for all of us. Jesus doesn't want us in either ditch. And he is the way out of either ditch. So maybe you're here this morning and you are, you're exhausted trying to work for your salvation. Working, working, working. Trying to keep the balance of your righteous deeds above the unrighteous ones. And it's exhausting. I'm here to tell you that's not the gospel. It's a hamster wheel. And it takes you nowhere. You will never feel like you've done enough to earn salvation because you can't. You can't. That's why Jesus came for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us because we can't do it on our own. It's called the finished work of the cross. Jesus said it is finished. We can come boldly into his presence and enjoy his presence. Like Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said that she chose the better way. Rests in Christ and his finished work. And we begin to encounter his love, experience his love for me personally, and then out of that, do the things he calls you to do. Perhaps you're here and you found yourself in the other ditch. Jesus isn't really the Lord of your life. He's more like an insurance card in your wallet in case something happens. But there's a restlessness in your soul. There's a yearning, a stirring, a deep inner cry for peace, contentment, and joy. And you search the whole world for it. But you can't find it. Because the things of the world can only temporarily distract you from that inner ache. It comes back. Yet we go after the achievements that bring some form of sense of contentment. We chase after the next big item, the next new gadget, the approval of others. And you know what? It distracts us for a moment, but it doesn't cure that inner soul ache. If that's, here, if that's you, I'm here to tell you, you need the gospel. A fire insurance gospel is not the gospel. It's no gospel at all. It's not going to save you. Jesus wants to fill the void in your life now. Not just 
one day I'll be forgiven and go to heaven. Listen, he wants to fill the void now. He wants to be your all in all right now. Peter explains it this way in 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's what happens when you hear the gospel. You're filled with joy. Think of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19. He's a tax collector. Talk about what gripped his heart. Money. We all know the grip money can have on people and what money can do and the chasing after money can do. It's powerful. It's a powerful grip. Zacchaeus was one of those. Yet when he experienced, when he met Jesus, wow, he was so transformed, he gave half of his goods, half of his wealth. He gave away. He gave back fourfold what he defrauded other people. Wow, he was transformed formed. Zacchaeus discovered in Jesus all the joy and contentment he was searching for through money. He found it in Jesus. And look, there was no cap. It was overflowing. Joy unspeakable that he gave away the money. Why? Because that doesn't bring joy. Jesus does. God wants that for you. Maybe you've been searching for that all along, but your search kept falling short. You see, the gospel message is like, like in Matthew 13. I love this. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds that treasure, he's so filled with joy that he sells everything to buy that field. That's the gospel. That's what it does to you. It changes your life. It fills you with joy that the world can't even touch. So come and receive the good news that Jesus Christ died for you to give you a new life, to make you a new creation, to fill you with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. I'm going to ask uh, Liz to come. She's just going to play on the piano. I want to invite you at this time. We're just going to take some time to pray. And again, I am, I am officially dismissing you to go. For those of you who, who have to go, please don't feel, pressure, feel pressured to stay if you need to go. Parents, you can go get your kids. But if the Lord is working on your heart right now, I want to encourage you to stay. And we're going to take some time to pray. Uh, but let me pray for us first, and then we'll just enter into a time uh, of prayer. And again, you feel free to go afterwards. Uh, but Father, we just uh, come before you, and we just thank you. Um, Lord, we're talking about ditches. We're talking about falling into ditches that were never intended for us to be in. And for some of us, Lord, we may not feel like we're in a ditch per se, but there is a tendency to drift towards one of them. God, would you be the course correction for our lives this morning? God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, and not just this morning, but throughout this day and tomorrow and the next day and the next, that, Lord, we would be refreshed by the power of 
of the gospel that is alive here through the risen Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so God, have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.